0: Welcome back everyone. I just passed a pretty significant milestone in my dividend investing journey. My dividend portfolios are now projected to generate more than $500 in dividend income per month going forward. This doesn't mean that I'm going to see $500 in dividends each month, because the vast majority of my holdings pay quarterly dividends, and my largest dividend months happen to be quarter ending months. Seeing how I just passed this pretty cool milestone, I thought it would be fitting to do a portfolio update episode. I'm going to talk about how my portfolio is doing this year, go over my positions and dividend income, and wrap things up with some projections for the future. Let's dive right in. 2023 has been a pretty interesting year in the market. We started off a little sluggish, but then equities started roaring heading into the summer, and they ultimately peaked sometime in late July or early August, I can't really recall at the moment. My portfolio has sort of followed along that path of the S&P 500. I started tracking the market value of all of my dividend portfolios at the end of January. The reason I started tracking this at the end of January, opposed to at the beginning of the year, is because I repurposed an old 401k account into a traditional IRA. This account was previously invested into index funds, and now it is fully made up of dividend stocks and funds. This repositioning, for one, increased the market value of my dividend-oriented assets, and it also drove my dividend income up. So, I thought it would be more fitting to start my tracker after this shipped NASA's. At the end of January, the market value of my dividend portfolios was $231,361.18, and my projected annual dividend income was $4,887.30, with the trailing 12 month dividend income being $2,813.23. So, at that point in time, I was averaging about $234 per month in dividend income. And going forward, I could expect to receive about $407 per month in dividends, quite a large increase. At the end of February, the value of my assets dipped a little, falling by about $2,000 to $229,000, but my projected annual income increased by a little more than $100, pushing me over the $5,000 hump. Initially, I thought that would be the only major milestone I would surpass this year, but sure enough, 8 months later and I have crossed the $6,000 mark in projected dividend income. To speed up a little, between March and July, the value of my assets grew each month, peaking out at a little more than $274,000 at the end of July. There could have been a higher all-time high on one of the intra-month days, but I didn't really keep track of the daily change in value. In August, the value of my portfolio's declined by about $1,000, and in September and October, it just kept falling all the way down to about $257,000 by October 31st. What's interesting though is as the value of my assets fluctuated up and down, my trailing and projected dividend income only grew since January. By the end of October, I was $0.26 shy of $6,000 in projected annual dividends and my trailing 12-month dividend income was $66 above $5,000. So between the end of January and the end of October, my projected annual dividend income increased by $1,112.44 or 22.76%. This increase was driven by contributions across all my portfolios, dividend increases from the companies I own, and dividend reinvestment, and some shifts in my portfolio. My trailing 12-month dividend income between January and October increased by $2,253.27, or about 80%. But this is largely inflated by shifting the old 401k account into a dividend-focused IRA I spoke about earlier. Today is November 2nd, so two days into the current month and the value of my assets is increased by nearly $7,500 to a little more than $265,000, a pretty good start to the month, and my projected dividend income is up a little more than $50, pushing me across the $500 a month line. To be exact, I am projecting $504.51 per month going forward. I have a total of 70 unique positions across my various dividend portfolios, which I know can sound like a lot. To break this down a little bit more, About 43 of these positions are my core holdings, and the other 27 are primarily a result of me investing in the four-factor strategies I often talk about. About 94% of my money is tied up in the 43 core positions, with only about 6% invested in the smallest 27 stocks. There is some overlap between my core holdings and the four-factor strategies, so this 94% and 6% breakdown isn't really representative of what I have allocated to the four-factor strategies. My current dividend yield across all my portfolios as of today is 2.28%. Yes, I know some of you may think that is a pretty low dividend yield, and my dividend income could be much larger today if I would target more higher yielding stocks. I personally don't really care for a high dividend yield at the moment, and let me explain why. The vast majority of this money is sitting in retirement accounts, so I can't really touch it without paying a penalty in taxes for a few decades. Given that I can't use this money for a long time, the dividend income it generates today is of low interest to me. I like dividend investing and I'm building these portfolios to one day fund my life with passive dividend income, but the primary objective for today and the foreseeable future is to allocate my capital into stocks that can give me the highest total return within my risk tolerance and with a dividend focus since that is my preferred style of investing. Perhaps someday closer to retirement, I will see a need to focus more on higher yielding stocks. And the beauty of retirement accounts is that I won't create a tax burden for myself by shifting my positions. When I'm 5 or 10 years away from retiring, I'll evaluate my portfolio, and if I see that my projected dividend income isn't up to snuff, I'll slowly start shifting my capital. Alright, let's have a look at some of my largest holdings today. The biggest position I have is SCHD that makes up 13.43% of my portfolio, and it generates 22% of all of my dividend income. That's about $1,340 per year. The current target I set for SCHD is 15%, so I'll continue adding to this ETF in the coming months. The fact that SCHD has performed poorly this year is beneficial, as I pick up more shares of the fund and lock in a more attractive dividend yield at the same time. My second largest position is in Microsoft that makes up 2.61% of my dividend assets, quite a large drop-off in allocation from SCHD. But aside from SCHD, I mainly balanced out my individual holdings to be right around 2 or 2.5% of my total assets. The only exception is DGRO, that is my third largest position right now. I have a 5% target allocation set for DGRO, and I've been slowly building this position up over the last few months. In a few months, it should surpass Microsoft and sit as my second largest holding, but it will probably take many months or even years for it to reach its 5% target, provided I don't change my allocation before that happens. The other top holdings are Santos, Apple, Home Depot, Lamb Research, Monolithic Power Systems, United Health Group and Cigna. These are the top 10 holdings. Aside from Home Depot that currently yields 2.9%, the rest all have rather low dividend yields. Positions 11 through 20 are all currently above 2% of my portfolio each. They are Lowe's, Texas Instruments, Skyworks Solutions, Domino's Pizza, Visa, KLR Corporation. BlackRock, Applied Materials, AVvi and CDW. As you can see, I own many of the stocks I talk about and share my monthly lists. Let me just rattle off the rest of the core 43 holdings. They are MasterCard, Fastnell, Tractor Supply, Amgen, Broadcom, Johnson & Johnson, EOG Resources, Lockheed Martin, Tiro Price Group, ADP, MSCI, Eli Lilly, Accenture, Amphenol, Expeditors International of Washington, TJX Companies, Rollins, Best Buy, Jack Henry & Associates, Market Access Holdings, ASML Holdings, Taiwan Semiconductor, and Starbucks. Starbucks is the smallest core position that currently makes up only 0.46% of my portfolio. I've been adding to it pretty regularly, and I expect it to start creeping up in the coming months. I also own some REITs and BDCs that I've talked about in past episodes. They don't make up a large portion of my overall dividend strategy, but they do boost my overall dividend yield. And the other 22 stocks are either part of the four-factor strategies or some lingering positions I have. But collectively, they account for about 4% of all my dividend assets. Owning 70 different stocks is quite a lot, and it does become cumbersome to try to keep up with what's going on with all these businesses. I think I will try to condense the portfolio in the future and consolidate some of these positions. I've been spending a lot of my time recently focusing on research around quality stocks. You may have listened to my most recent content, showcasing the company analyzer tool I created that is meant to help me gauge the quality of a business. I think I will try to leverage that tool to narrow my list of investment ideas and possibly help me consolidate some of my core holdings. But that is a long-term project. Alright, let's jump over to some dividend history. During the month of October, my dividend stocks paid me $242.92. This was about 64% more than I received during October of 2022. It was also more than I received in July, the prior corresponding quarterly month. The interesting thing this year has been that I have received more than $1,000 in dividends during each quarter, and quarter 4 should be no exception. Quarter 1 clocked in at $1,133.61. Quarter 2 brought in $1,673.94. And quarter three posted one thousand four hundred dollars and fifty eight cents in dividends. You may be wondering why quarter two was higher than quarter three. The simple explanation is that I was shifting some assets during quarter two, and I also started allocating more heavily into SCHD during that time. Due to the timing of my sells and buys, I ended up receiving more dividends than I was projected to. This wasn't overly intentional, but given that SCHD pays during quarter-ending months, I received some dividends from positions I sold during the quarter. And then I also received SCHD's dividend at quarter end. This was a one-off blimp in dividend income. I should see about $1,500 in dividends during quarter 4, so most likely I'll have to wait till next year to see a new all-time quarterly high. During 2022, my total dividend income was $2,794.85. For the first 10 months of 2023, I already received $4,451.05 in dividends and I should easily finish the year above 5,000. As of right now, my annual income between 2022 and 2023 has grown by 59%, and by year-end, it may be close to 100%. But again, this is due to shifting that 401k account into a dividend-focused IRA, so not really organic dividend growth. All right, let's talk about the fun stuff now, the projections. I always like to make some forward-looking assumptions to see where I may possibly end up closer to retirement. So my projection for 2023 was to finish with about $5,500 in dividend income. I'll probably be a little bit ahead of that estimate as I'm expecting another $1,200 to $1,300 in dividends in November and December. Combined with the $4,451 I already received this year, I should end up somewhere around $5,700 in total dividends for 2023. The projected market value of my dividend assets for 2023 was $279,000. At the end of July, that looked like a very realistic estimate to have. Today, not so much. But given how volatile the stock market has been, who knows, I may be very far off from this estimate, or I may find myself exceeding it. Time will tell. For future years, I'm taking my current dividend yield of 2.28% and assuming my future contributions will be invested at this starting dividend yield, and I'm assuming I can achieve a 10% annual total return, which would put me at a capital appreciation rate of about 7.72% and I'm also using the same number for my projected dividend growth rate. For my future contributions, I made a pretty reasonable estimate of what I think I should be able to contribute to my portfolios next year, and then I just increased it by 3% each year thereafter. This will likely change in the future. Hopefully I can invest more money than I am estimating now, but who knows? Life is unexpected, and I may not be able to even stick to the amounts I have here right now. Since this is just a projection, I didn't want to overly stress about the assumptions I made. I can always adjust this forecast should anything change in the future. So let's see what I can expect between today and 2052, the year I will reach full retirement age. In 2027, I should surpass $10,000 in annual dividend income. In 2032, I should cross $20,000 in annual dividend income, and the value of my dividend portfolios should cross $1 million. By 2035, I should cross $30,000 in dividend income, with a value of more than $1.5 million. By 2037, I should cross $2 million, and by 2039, I should cross the $50,000 mark in dividend income. From there, the values start to grow rather quickly, $3 million by 2041, $4 million by 2044, and $5 million by 2046. Also, in 2046, I should cross the six-figure threshold in dividend income, and by 2052, I should hit a $10 million valuation, with over $200,000 in annual dividends received. I know that the actual dividend income and the value of my portfolio won't follow this straight path up, it'll probably be all over the place with some fantastic years and some really awful years. But over a 30 year investing window, I think shooting for a 10% total return on average per year isn't unrealistic. The S&P 500 has historically grown around this range, and my growth focus should see my portfolio keep up pace with the broad equity market in the long run. These numbers don't consider inflation and I know that $10 million 30 years from now won't feel like $10 million today. But I think having a $10 million portfolio with $200,000 in annual dividend income should set me up for a comfortable retirement. I'll have other sources of income in retirement as well, so it's not like I'm solely relying on dividends. I'll save this original projection, so 30 years from now, I can look back at it and compare my actual results to see how accurate it turns out to be. That's it for today. Thank you for joining me, and see you next time.